Hey there, everyone. Welcome to One Simple Question. I'm your host, Abhishek Lahoti. I found two very interesting and random things about living outside of your home country. First, everybody will call it something different. So many countries have various names, either in native language or in slang, and a good case in point is the title of this episode, where America, here in the UK, is often called the States. Second is that when you meet someone new, it's a really easy conversation starter. Visiting the same place is something that two people can very quickly have in common. So last Christmas, I was in a pub with some friends, and I met today's guest, Giselle Corey. Given that I'm from the US, I thought it was pretty normal to ask if they'd ever been there before. What resulted was what I can only call a complete roller coaster of a conversation. Giselle's story is a testament to what happens when you face your problems head-on, with a little help from the person sitting next to you. Hi. Hi. Is this Giselle? It is. Hey, how's it going? Good. I've had a pretty pretty chill day, so I'm pretty very relaxed. How about you? Yeah, good. I'm just battling the storm here, so that's... Uh fun time coming in to, to do this recording. I love this kind of weather. I just went out with the dog and it just, everything feels electric and alive. I love it. So Giselle, before we get going, can you just give us a brief about yourself? Like, where are you from? What do you do? That kind of thing? Yeah. So I'm Giselle. I am uh, live in the wonderful Sussex countryside outside of London, where I uh, then commute in every day to run a charity. It's a, a bit of a an odd one out as charities go. It, it helps other charities do data science, so use data to um, transform whatever it is that those charities are seeking to do. Uh, and my past is around using data in government, in public policy, to inform the way the government makes decisions and hopefully lead them to make decisions in a way that supports people on lower and middle incomes and in terms of uh, other things about me so I've lived with my partner and my dog and love reading and love traveling actually that's a great segue because normally I would lead this in a little bit more naturally but I'm just so fascinated by what I had heard the first time we talked about it that I just want to dive in so can I ask you Giselle have you ever been to the states yeah, a number of times. My mum was a bit obsessed uh, when we were growing up. And then the, the biggest trip I made was for a year back in 2014 when my partner and I went on a road trip. A year-long road trip is probably the most unique way I've ever heard of anybody visiting the States. It's honestly incredible. And when you told me this the first time, I like literally had to process that for a little while. Um, how did you guys do that? So we went over in January. It was it was uh, mid January. It was actually uh, my partner's thirtieth birthday, and that was convenient because uh, they said they wanted to start this trip before they turned thirty. That had been their deadline for about ten years. So they cut it fine, but we made it. I'm glad the plane wasn't delayed. We went to a cousin of mine who lives in Texas, and we started to have a look for a van. So if you're going to do a road trip, you just want you to road trip in, right? So we went on the lookout for something we could live in and would treat us right for a year and eventually found ourselves a van and got going and from then it was 
place to place hopping uh, fairly what felt like fairly fast actually uh, around the US because even though we had a year through the midst of time it feels like a long time but actually at the time it felt like there was a lot of miles to cover a lot we wanted to see and the US and and I'd say that um, Canada as well because we went to North America so the North American continent is so massive that we had a lot to explore. How did the trip come up? It seems like it's something that the two of you must have been planning for a while. You know, you can't just pop in and decide one day I'm going to drive around for a year. Like, what was the impetus? It's it's a great question. And it's a very different answer between my partner and I. So uh, I'd been going out with this um, guy who's um, I'm still going out with. It's been a while now. Uh, but at the time, I'd been going out with him about two months uh, when we, we met for lunch one day. And I remember exactly... I kind of have, I have this perfect picture in my mind, kind of how you look, etc. And I think the reason why it's etched into my memory was the shock, <laughs> because when we met for lunch, they just dropped in really casually that it was about a year until they were leaving. That kind of sucks, you know. I was kind of, I was getting to like, even though there's a year before they leave, you, you, you kind of in my mind, I thought, okay, it's going to be over in a year, so kind of, then why bother? And I was sitting there at this table trying to kind of nod along, with, oh wow, okay, that sounds really interesting. And in my kind of inner heart of hearts, feeling quite devastated. So that that was a year before he was due to go on the trip. In the year that then passed between that moment and between departure date uh, we continued uh, going out and relationship got better etc and he decided that he was going to make it his mission to convince me to go with him I remember my first response was no you've got to be crazy I'm I'm a career person I'm and I'm in my stride now I'm not gonna go and mess that up and the thought of leaving for a year while all the people that were around me would sail on and get that experience and that progression and I would be left stagnant absolutely no way I was not gonna go and drop things for a year but essentially he worked away (laughs) and about three months before uh, he was due to go I decided that why not and gave him my notice at work and started thinking about packing my bags and what that would mean so for him it had been a dream for well, I think when he was uh, 18, he decided he met some Americans who were telling him about how wonderful it was to road trip around. And he decided that was his dream. And for me, it was more like three months of planning time. He had been thinking about it forever. And you're like, cool, three months. I'm going to go. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, my, my parent, I don't think my parents were that happy about it. But they came around to it in the end. Um, let's talk about the van, if we can. So it was your home for a full year. It wasn't like a RV, a camper van, right? It was not like a full kitchen and bedroom kind of setup. Uh, what kind of van was it? Yeah, it was pretty small. So the idea we had was that we'd quite like to find a small little van that we could feel quite free in. We essentially wanted to feel like we were driving around and we had some stuff with us. And we started looking for a van and we couldn't find what we were looking at. It was either small vans that didn't have everything we wanted. So we're kind of kissed out with a bed and that was it. Or you went to kind of full on, um, yeah, kind of North American retiree sized kind of van uh, where you do have everything and you can have people around for dinner parties and it doesn't feel cramped. Uh, and we, we, we didn't want that. Eventually we found this van that was absolutely perfect for us. So it was just over 20 feet and it was beautiful it was a like a pilot design by the company that were making it and it included a sink it had a little fridge it had place for me to stow some books you know a little little library compartment (laughs) bed that folded down it had a, a wet room so a toilet and shower 
and the whole thing all wrapped up in this in this 20 foot package <laughs> what did people say when you met them on the road when they saw what you guys were doing my memory thinking reminiscing about how people treated us were that they were absolutely lovely um and that's i guess i want to underline that more and more as we go into like trump era um because north america is getting a bad rap these days uh, but we there was so much hospitality across the board and that was particularly uh, in the southern states we would get people kind of come up to us they would chat to us about the van and then they would invite us in and you know, we had Thanksgiving that we were invited into someone's home. We had various like stays in people's sofas or people who'd done, who traveled as well, kind of knew that the, the thing we probably needed most was somewhere to wash our clothes because it's, uh, yeah, that's something you obviously don't have if you live in a van. And we had all, all these offers coming in. One thing that came up quite a bit was around couples uh, who would kind of look at us and look at each other and say, you're doing this for a year in that little box? Absolutely no way. And they would, you know, it was funny when you had a kind of older couples kind of who'd been together 40, 50 years and that they would say, if we'd done that when we were starting out, we would not be together anymore. And I think at first we would laugh a little bit at it, but we got that reaction quite a bit. And throughout the year, I think we, we kind of realized how true that reflection probably was on the part of those people who were stopping by because it's, it's pretty tough living in a small space, particularly a small space where you don't have people you know support network and other people around you i find it interesting that like all these people who were retired who'd been together for ages they could you know never fathom what you guys were doing and meanwhile you guys are a couple of of two-ish years but i can imagine that it was probably a bit of a struggle like that's a intimate space to be with somebody for a full year like you said without the support network that you're used to so you know was it difficult in, in ways it definitely was. I guess the obvious things weren't hard. So things like how we treated the space physically. I think when it's when it's that small, you have to be concise and you have to be orderly and everything has to have a, a place because otherwise when you drive off, you, don't, you literally can leave it behind. Um, so we very quickly learned what we did and didn't need in terms of physical items and we sent a lot of stuff home or took it to charity shops, etc. But in terms of your kind of emotional space, I think that's where it gets really hard, uh, or it did anyway for us. That's partly because we hadn't been together for ages, so we were still learning about each other. But actually, it was more than that, because I, I don't think we would have been able to learn about each other in the same way had we not been forced to. Well, can I ask, like, in my experiences with a partner and we have, a, you know, maybe a disagreement, I oftentimes looked for sometimes a place to escape, you know, just I uh, need to take a walk, need to collect my thoughts a bit. In a van, you can't really do that. So like in that confined space, did conversations come up that stressed you out? What do you do in that situation? I mean, the, the easiest thing I would do in the kind of lowest impact situations would be hide behind a book. But when it came to more difficult conversations, you couldn't walk away. I think, and that's partly because you'd essentially be a bit stranded. Like often we were in, we, we, we like hiking, we like being in the middle of nowhere. So you don't want to go wandering off probably in the night in the middle of nowhere. But I think the other element there is that you're very aware that you've got this one other person with you who you've committed to accompanying for this trip. And if you don't like something one day and you then go storming off or walk off to resolve things, then you're very aware how alone you're leaving them. Yeah, there were conversations which I I definitely have tried to wriggle out of if the situation had been different. Was that new for you? 
were you presented with a situation where you had to have conversations you just wouldn't have had before? Yes, a lot of the conversations that we had that were new and that were hardest over that year uh, were around mental health. So something that we hadn't talked about previously in our relationship because I'd done my best to evade and hide. I think I've I've changed a lot now, partly because of that experience. But it was possible, say in London, living even living together in a flat, but it's possible when things come up and you're not feeling too happy that you can make yourself gone either physically or emotionally or you say I've got some work to do whatever it might be and we couldn't do that in the van so these these conversations we had to face head on and yeah some of those conversations absolutely horrible but I think very very vital and potentially experiences other people would have had if they've you know they're trying to talk about their mental health for the first time it's not necessarily going to feel easy or nice but very vital. What did your partner do the first time one of those conversations came up? You know, you're in a van together, uh, you've committed this long trip. It would scare a lot of people. But what did your partner do? How did he convince you to open up in the first place? There was a lot of supportive approaches, so cajoling and trying to spot opportunities where there was obviously something wrong, where he would try and kind of explore that. And I would normally shut that down makes my partner sound horrible and he's not but I think in the end actually it was a bit of an ultimatum he said yeah this is this is really hard and I I don't want this to be the end for us but if it's not the end for us then I need you to engage I need you to give a little something and that was yeah as I said very difficult thing to do if you haven't done that before and also a horrible thing to hear because you can, particularly if you're not you know, in the best place in your mind, you can think of oh, this, you know, what does this mean? This person doesn't want to be with me, etc. You can really change things and interpret things in whatever filter your mind has. And I think we all do that day to day and that can be worse if you're depressed or very anxious, etc. It was hard for him to do, but also hard for me to hear, partly because I was hearing something much more severe than what they were saying at the time. This is a intense topic and you know, I don't want to pry too much, but you know, especially the topic of mental health today, I guess it's not really approached with a lot of care. In the US when I grew up, it was one of those things like you almost looked down upon. I think it's getting better now, but it's still a work in progress. So in your past, with any of these experiences, it sounded like you were well-versed in putting up that wall, if you will. Was there ever an experience in the past that you had tried to open up? Did it go poorly? And is that why that wall got taller? Yeah, I, I had had experiences in the past where I'd tried. And uh, and yeah, they, they, hadn't, they hadn't gone well, particularly. T- so talking about uh, depression and anxiety, which is what's affected me over the course of my life. Um, talking about those things with others is, you know, I, I think people always have their own reasons for responding how they do and I think very often particularly with the generations that have come before us those reasons are kind of heavily tainted by the things you're you're talking about kind of this generational feeling of like of shame or of a, a wrongness to it so not really seeing it in the case of kind of well or not well but seeing it as kind of you are wrong or right within yourself and I, and I think that's that can make it hard to have conversations that has made it very hard to have conversations and I wasn't that keen on trying again and and also there's a I think something that affects me a lot is an attempt to always be better and if you take that to its extreme you can say I'm going to 
I'm going to go from where I am now, which is, you know, I'm doing okay in these different facets of my life. And I'm always going to push to be absolutely wonderful in all these different facets. And the, the conclusion of that is, okay, I, I therefore don't need to worry uh, about telling people about these things that aren't very good now because they're going to get better and it's probably going to happen quite soon and then I'm going to be fine. So for me, I think there was there was partly a kind of, I don't want to share this because when I do it goes wrong and it hurts. And also, uh, well, I don't need to share this because it's just a thing that's going to move into my past soon. But actually, uh, that hasn't proved to be true and it's something, and I'm I'm well now in comparison to how I've been at other times in my life, but probably always something I'm going to be fighting to a greater or lesser degree. Which is why actually after this trip, it wasn't just my approach to my partner that changed, but actually my approach across the board. So having a conversation like this, for example, would not have been something I'd have ever done five years ago. What's an example of something that you would voice better now? It's a really good question. It's in a way a tricky to answer because I think of it's just so relevant every, essentially every step, every uh, movement, every point in the day. There's there's probably a change now from how I would communicate. Um, previously I mean one thing is that if in the past even the simple thing like a friend asking the question how are you would not be something I would dream of answering truthfully uh, I would probably tell them about the latest thing that's been good or bad in my external life but I I don't do that anymore so how are you for me asked by a friend or loved one means how are you doing and that that's a question about your internal life as much as it is external life so I will say um oh really good or oh I've been feeling a little bit low or struggling with mornings at the moment or whatever it might be or getting I'm feeling more anxious these last couple of weeks because x and y is happening and then the, the practical things as well so I remember something from uni is a wonderful milestone for me about how how I'm different now but I so one of the things I struggle with is um different forms of anxiety and some friends of mine were going off to see a castle nearby when we were at uni together um and I backed out at the last minute and it, it was because the car of the person uh, that we were all going with was disgusting. It was, it was there was covered in mold, and at the time I had some specific anxiety around mold. Uh, Lucky I don't have any more because uh, now I live in a very old house and it's damp and horrible sometimes. Um, but the the reason I gave them was that I was I don't know I had a cold or something, and I wouldn't dream now of saying of lying to those friends. But at the, at the time it didn't feel like lying. It just felt like it, it felt impossible to give them the correct version of the truth which was that my anxiety when it came down to it was too overwhelming to step into your car and instead they thought I just basically didn't really want to go with them and backed out with some silly reason how long ago was all this from end of this trip till now how many years have you been operating in this new light I noticed for me at a major sort of inflection point of my life it was a struggle to keep all the positive changes for a long time how have you been doing with that it's a struggle to operate in all the ways you want yourself to operate. And I don't think we can all be perfect. And I definitely set myself unrealistic expectations. Uh, so I need to I need to try and get better at that. But my experience since that road trip back six years ago is not that I something clicked and I became better in some way. And then I've struggled or tried to maintain that. It was actually that 
something began to be dug up that my partner and I could then try and explore together. And actually that in itself is a challenge. And though overall, that's a very good thing. And it's for me made my life better in the long run. In the immediate term, that's very hard. And it makes things almost much harder in the medium term, because you've suddenly got to be digging up and processing all these things that you might not have brought out into the sunlight for a very long time, if ever. So for me, it's been kind of bumps (laughs) a lot of the time. And one of the things that I try and do all the time is remind myself of the life I'd like to live. And if I'm not feeling okay, it's normally because I'm not quite living up to the promises I've laid out for myself in the past. So I'm not getting into nature enough or I'm not sleeping very well or it's a case of constantly calibrating and holding myself to account for my own well-being. I'm going to ask a question that's not entirely tied to the the mental health aspect but it's still an important version of thought on this particular topic because you guys left for a year you packed everything into a bag it went into a van you're not living in like our material society has your life the life that you have together changed in other ways too? Do you guys operate differently after coming back and seeing a big flat or a house of clothes? Did you think, oh my gosh, we have way too much stuff? <laughs> yeah, we, d- we really did. So one thing that I really, really loved about living in a van for a year was realizing how little you needed. And, we, and I think that was really positive revelation that I will I hope I will carry with me for a long time and it's you know to your previous question how do you kind of keep keep those uh good intentions in parallel with the 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 life you're living and that's one where you can get very tempted to essentially gather things around you when you're living in one place and you're, you're living in your flat and you wanted to look nice and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's one thing we try and hold ourselves to account um, for. But the thing that does make that change a bit easier is that we're much more uh, environmentally conscious now. So actually one of the things when we did, when we got back was uh, a startup to help people consume stuff more ethically because we're both in like data and tech. Um, so uh, it was a, a natural direction for us. It was to combine our kind of professional expertise with something we'd seen to be increasingly important to us over the course of that year, which was that we, we do respect the planet we're living on, but we also understand that people are going to make rational decisions in every given moment. So how do you influence those those decisions in every given moment to make sure that their people are aligning with their uh, desire to be better to the planet. So that's that's a little segue. We we kind of did that when we came back. But uh, what it's left us with is a really keen desire not to be consumerist, I suppose. So to not go after a lot of possessions. And I still think we probably have a lot of a lot of way to go. Even a couple of weeks ago, I went to my mum's attic and found a bunch of like, my old stuff sitting up there. And I'm thinking, gosh, I've you know I, I feel like I've had secret baggage all this time and I now need to kind of sort through and think about but the the fundamentals that you you don't need that much if you're in a a position where you're you know fairly physically healthy and can move around the world without a lot of needs in that respect then then you don't need that much and and that's something that's really quite energizing and also I realized very uh, a very charmed position to be in so it's a privileged position to be in so uh last two questions um one what happened to the van oh the van um our little van uh we sold it actually little little side note because i I mentioned that our van was 
like a pilot run um, from the company that that were making it. So a lot of people were interested in if it was any good. And we started, my my partner started putting some posts on on a blog site uh, about various bits we were changing and things we liked and things we didn't like. And that just picked up this (laughs) massive uh, online audience who were uh, really interested in the Travatis. And when we came to sell it, we, we mainly advertised it through that. We just said, oh, now our journey with this uh, with this van has ended. Uh, does anyone want to take it off our hands? I think because we had been putting up content about every little thing. So, oh, we don't like this, or this broke, and this is how we fixed it, etc. You essentially had very transparent ownership of the whole life of the van. So that made it pretty easy to sell. I found someone almost immediately and then drove down to, I think we were in, New York at the time and then we drove down to Florida uh, where the new owner was and handed over the the van and drove away in a rental car and sobbed a bit and then got on a plane and went home. The last question then is would you ever do this again? Would you go somewhere different? Would you go back to the US? Would a year on the road ever be in the cards again? Oh I hope so. I'd love to. The, The main thing we did during our year was hiking and uh, I think a a year getting out into nature again would be an absolute dream I think if we did we would probably do it somewhere closer to home so there is loads more that we'd want to explore in North America and places we'd go back to as well but we are trying not to fly Uh, I think uh, well at least more people are now which is a wonderful thought and so perhaps something in Eastern Europe where we can grab a ferry and then drive in ideally in the future an electric van yeah that'd be a dream country but we'll see Giselle this was so cool and and, and wonderful to hear and I think uh, most people in this conversation are going to just talk about what they saw but I love that there's so much more to your trip than than necessarily the landmarks and it was almost like a bunch of internal landmarks for you and your life and your partner and, and how you guys are together so I absolutely love the fact that it wasn't just extended holiday, but it turned out to be sort of a life-changing one. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule just to talk to me a bit about this. Thank you for asking the question. Big thanks to my guest Giselle today. I think that they've seen more of my own country than most Americans have, which begs the question, do you think you could survive a year in a van the way that they did? What I appreciated a lot about this story is how much Giselle has taken from it. The person who flew to the US and got the van and the person I met are light years apart. But it wasn't easy and it could have been avoided if they just stuck to the regular actions in pressing situations. In the end, the great thing about Giselle's story is how rewarding taking a big risk, both physical and mental, can actually be. That's it for today's story. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get the latest updates anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment and you're feeling generous, please leave a review. I'd really appreciate it, and it helps me understand how to make this show even better. For more info on me and this concept, you can visit our website at onesimplequestion.co. One Simple Question is hosted by me, Abhishek Lahoti, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you tune in again soon, and bye for now.